But right now I'm joined by, as always, uh, every fortnight here on Radio 191 FM. On a Thursday, Andrea Bell, Curator of Art, Pictorial Collection at the Hocken. Morena. Morena to you. And today we're joined by special guest, uh, Dr. Alex Monteith. I had to put the doctor in there. Uh, senior lecturer at Elam School of Fine Arts and the latest DPAG artist in residence. Morena to you and welcome to Aote yeah, how are we? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, and you, Andrew? <laughs> yeah, how's, very well, yeah. Yeah, how, you know, because I get to see you in two week increments and you're changing every week. Yes, every growing. time. <laughs> <laughs> Expanding. Yeah. Are maternity clothes expensive? Uh, I'm just, I feel like Homer Simpson in a moo-moo. Oh, yes. <laughs> you haven't got one of those little things doing all your work at home, do you? The little bird that keeps tapping the keyboard. <laughs> Not yet. No. Oh, well, this is a great episode, by the way. One of my favourite episodes. <laughs> anyway. Neither here nor there. Let's talk about art. Although, you know, cartoon, that's art. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, you... Well, I guess, well, you start. Yeah, you start. I just wanted to give a bit of background about Alex before we kind of launch into it, just for our listeners, um, for anyone that hasn't come across Alex's work before. So she was born in Belfast in Northern Ireland and moved to Palmerston North with her family in the late 1980s. Um, she has a BFA in photography, which she completed in 2001, an MFA in intermedia and time-based arts, and a doctorate in fine arts from the Elam School of Fine Arts at the University of Auckland. Um, and she has exhibited internationally um, at places such as the Museum of Modern Art in Frankfurt, um, more locally at the 4th and 5th Auckland Triennials. Um, she was a Walters Prize finalist in 2010, mm. and she's also a member of the collective Local Time, which we'll talk about later on. Um, Local Times consists of Alex, uh, Danny Butt, John Bywater, and Natalie Robertson, um, and her work explores the political dimensions of culture engaged in turmoil over land ownership, history, and occupation. Um, <laughs> and this is taken sure. from her, her bio from the website, by the way. Um, yeah, which I've done too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was also a competitive surfer for six years, um, and the Irish Women's Champ in 2001. She's competed um, locally in New Zealand as well on the national circuit. So, yeah. Oh, so those go, dates feel a bit vintage uh, now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's get those dates. <laughs> so you, you go back to compete in Ireland. Is it like because the competition's easier over there? Or? No, although I did benefit from a slightly lighter pool, you might say. But yeah. No, I was back shooting in for my doctorate, which was all um, around aspects of um, image production and the, and the sort of transition out of the trouble. So I was back there working for three or four years shooting uh-huh. um, b- big chunks of the year all mm-hmm. around Northern Ireland, the border, and a little bit south, like into Sligo. And, and then just to survive that kind of workload and all of the heaviness of that, I was surfing a lot too, of course. <laughs> and yeah. then I got noticed by Zoe Lally, who was the Irish Surf um, Development Officer at the time, and she was like, oh, what passport have you got? <laughs> and eventually ended up in the Irish surf team. <laughs> so it was Amazing. like, yeah. Um, I see, what, did you go to Worlds? Yeah, I went to the Worlds in South Africa in 2002 and I did Euro- the European surf champs as well. I think I came eighth in Europe, if I'm memory. Oh. I, had, I had a really good run through and then the finals I got nailed by an eight foot kind of surprise Hossiger. Took the yeah. wrong board out, spent half the heat <laughs> swapping boards <laughs> and lost out on getting to the finals. So we keep getting talking to suck and surf talk. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I, I apologise. It's surrounded. It's totally, it, it, it is totally relevant. Mm. Um, one quick question though. Um, with that talk, because you uh, um, you did you went to Elam yourself as a student, yeah, and now you're a doctor there. You're a lecturer. 
what's it like working with lecturers that used to be your lecturers and do they like still have like you're still just my student attitude nah there's nothing (laughs) nothing like that in my mind it it was i mean a couple of highlights for me were probably people like mark adams um who were lecturers in my time going through and then actually in the project that we've been working on here I've been kind of working alongside him and with him and going into Tamatia Dusky and for him that's been quite a lifelong relationship mentally and then through lots of journeys and it's been really cool just sort of I actually think intergenerational contact's really important. Oh definitely. Mm, And it it can be not good when it's sort of I don't know if, if there's something kind of seizing up or whatever if you know that kind of side of things with lecturers and students but Actually, on the other side, it's um, it's the senior family, whānau members. Yeah. There's lots of good knowledge. So, yeah, Mark and also probably Phil Dadson as well are kind of, yeah. Now, um, I just, first, um, with with what you just said, and I'm going to say it again, the political dimensions of cultural engaged in turmoil over land ownership, history and occupation. You were born in um, Northern Ireland, your first 10 years there, and you've obviously gone back. Uh, and then you come to New Zealand. Both nations have long and troubled pasts. Uh, with confiscation, occupation, uh, and the straight theft of land from indigenous peoples, um, you know, and that's to, that's led to division, war, um, you know, tensions, bigotry, distrust. Um, you know, is is that's what is that what has initially inspired you? Like, I, I think it has. Like, I spent um, that doctoral period really looking at aspects of how the situation in Ireland, which was transitioning out of conflict, it was sort of called a transitional period, and it was the hard infrastructure of the conflict was kind of um, being dismantled. So my township that I had a lot of contact with through my grandmother living there and having a farm there is right on the border, and mm-hmm. it had heavy armaments right up until the very end of the conflict sort of um, demilitarising period. And it was surrounded by the border on three sides, so it experienced a kind of the bunker mentality, mm. um, the silences around... Um, there, there were sort of lots of silences and various tensions and a lot of bombings. In fact, when we left for Aotearoa, we, there was a bombing that day in the town when wow. you know, we left it out of flight like at four in the morning, but later on. So I became really interested in aspects of conflict that weren't necessarily the high points, but all the little fissures and fractures and concepts that people sort of gravitated to and built up around claims to identity because it became so crucial over there. And then mm-hmm. there was a lot not being said and a lot... Um, inferred and living practices that just avoided particular kind of pathway. Or, for example, like um, in Castleburg, it's become talked about by literary people now as kind of a, being a borderer. There's a different experience when you're on the lit- on a physical border mm-hmm. that's determined by politics, which doesn't really relate to geography or other concepts that you could create a border in relation to. And it, um, yeah, so so in looking at Aotearoa, of course. I understood that, um, or I felt like it was a natural state for there to be tension, discussion, debate, mm. um, going into um, looking at Māori history here, because, um, and then the kind of colonial imprint, because, it, yeah, I, I think a lot of um, Tauiwi or Pākehā get uncomfortable in that, but mm. that was kind of a natural state yeah. <laughs> of understanding the, te- the fact that there's tension. Totally. Yeah. The question is, what do you do um, mm. in terms of collaboration to kind of move past the way that things get really bogged down in that? and um, yeah, a lot of hurt and wounding and things. You just don't want to carry on and perpetuate more of it, ideally. So, mm, yeah. yeah. So I looked at art, you yeah. know, to, wanting to know what art can do and how it can evolve. Art doesn't always get it right either. No. Mm. Yeah. No, but it can be a good um, way to start dialogue and conversation. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, so following on from that, in terms of your residency here in Dunedin, what are you hoping to achieve or research? 
through your time here? Um, I'm going to be working with uh, Fano Vicky Lenehan cool. and um, yeah. a continuing a project that started in Southern Museum and Art Gallery um, Titanifa, um, which was looking at a, a kind of a, a legacy um, created by Peter Coots, who was mm-hmm. one of Aotearoa's first PhDs in archaeology. But his uh, project had been to um, make a lot of excavations around Timimi or Tūtia Rakifano of um, Fiordland coastal region and other regions, but I'm mainly looking at the co- uh, coastal activities. And yeah. his his work uh, resulted in a lot of material being deposited to, to the two museums, uh, Otago and a small amount and um, SMAG. And, but it was such an enormous amount of material, it actually was never catalogued. Mm. And so... I originally was interested in a kind of filmic project and looking at wa- issues around water, claims to water, concepts of water, history mm. around water, starting that way yeah. and working with Mark Adams, sort of going in and thinking about um, those things in uh, Tamatia, Dusky. But then I came across this um, situation around Coots' material just through kind of the wider research process and I've totally switched the project, <laughs> paused <laughs> the filmic aspect <laughs> and gone. And I just went to the Iwi Liaison Committee there that had Stuart Bull on it and uh, Tari Bradshaw and a whole number of others, Oraka Aparima, Fano, and they were like, actually it's more important to to see what can be done in the collection. So mm-hmm. it continues. Cool. So we've we've done two shows so far that have used and worked with exhibition resources to try and address the scale of the uncatalogued material. But we try and interest viewers by having visual material there and the the video work that I can do. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of facilitation involved in it too, just in um, creating conversations. So, and I'm working with Ethel Anderson and um, also Gerard O'Regan in terms of the archaeological components, um, you would say. So I don't narrate much yeah. around that specialisation but it's, yeah, so that's a, and it's a starting point about what there is here what narratives and what Fano are interested to join this conversation here as the re- research unfolds, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I guess um, <clears throat> with the Southern Iwi and, and like um, a lot of it them were quite transient at times so there will be a lot of connection between um, the Iwi and Fiordland and the Iwi and the Otago and and around the Netherlands as well? Oh, yeah, no, we were starting with those relationships for sure. Yeah. And, you know, there's interesting table turnings that um, Athel mentions in his discussions of it. We're just in the early um, e- early 19th century. He, he was just saying, in terms of conceptions around that area, there at that time there could have been more Pākehā working in that area through the sealing legacy and all the, um, you know, energy and interest and kind of destruction of... <laughs> seal colonies um, mm. Mm. at that time and it resulted in more Pākehā being there than in the north and there's so the work it sort of um, eventually sort of reveals these kind of um, I don't know there's just interesting stories and kind of perception flips that can happen we had ships from all around the world we had yeah, sailors uh, from, yeah. from the states um, of course a lot from Sydney and yeah, other totally. um, colonial strongholds within Australia at the time yeah. other, other areas of New South Wales and the like so I mean there were people from all around the world but you know, going because it was like a, it was like a gold rush. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Not for the environment and not no. for ecology. No, <laughs> no, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, total. That legacy is yeah. still being felt now. So it's yeah, um, introduction of species and things. So whilst there are a lot of things I'm interested in tacitly in the corridor, um, yeah, I'm trying to keep my role towards the facilitation and fanongatanga around it so that the people who specialise in those areas get drawn in. That's what I'm hoping mm. yeah. to sort of cool. connect out to when I'm here and people that have an interest in those narratives and specialise um, that are here in town and around and nearby. Cool. Yeah.
Does this feed in at all to your work with Local Time, or is that quite separate? This project at the moment is is isn't connected with local time but mm-hmm. of course it's been informed by our our methods because we've been mm. working so long with the local time could you tell us a little bit about local time for sure <laughs> i mean i think <laughs> it, it we formed together i think around yep. 10 years ago mm-hmm. um and our shared interest is to do with um like natalie robertson being a member of nati paro so it, it's interested in uh, Manaakitanga and Fanaungatanga and in Māori history and mm. also just sort of dismantling or facilitating more productive knowledge exchange across the settler kind of indigenous discourses and of course working in an institution that descends from Pākehā kind of um, mm. frameworks and kind of um, looking at what it means to be decolonising or problems even in decolonising and lots of things like that but yeah our we're having a period of time where we're quite focused on um, the Waiapu through Natalie's connection there and supporting her and work she's doing there. But so our heart really is in um, making projects that are um, that try and facilitate an audience attending to and being in a place that we're looking at, whether it's sort of water history. Mm. Um, yep. You know, like Punawai. We've done a lot of work with Punawai in the past, and Tamaki Makoto. Um, She's working on aspects of um, water quality with the Waipu and Punawai as well, the history of them in that area. And um, we try, if, if we can, to get the audiences actually to those places. So, yeah. so often the museum might extend an invite for us to work, but we, we try and look at that line of action activity um, to, to get the viewers out to the place that, that we are interested in kind of considering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. So from what I've read about local time projects, a lot of them take place outside of the context of the gallery, but they're commissioned by a gallery mm. or an institution. And I just wondered about how important that participation is versus documentation of the project and how it kind of reaches audiences. I think participation is like number one mm. consideration. So if we can make have whānau there that connect, um, you know, the critical art audience at times, that's one audience. But another audience is like local communities. Yeah. They're probably primarily the main participants that we're interested in having um, acknowledging histories, um, trying to research to find who are the interesting people that um, talk to those histories and then we try and find ways and resources to kind of make the connections between the spaces. I think primarily our heart does lie, especially in supporting Natalie at home and figuring out how you, how places that, um, like past Ruatoria, Tikapa, um, it's it's not a place that's having a lot of exposure in the terms of, um, in terms of sort of mainstream cultural mm-hmm. um, spaces. And so there's just simply work to be done to support um, issues around ecological decline, diversity, things like that. So we just try and support the whānau yeah. Yeah. and it's changed what's relevant there too so well, things to do um, so that's a current project for us in mm-hmm. the past we've done stuff like that one you're looking at there you're, you're looking at an image of the project we did in uh, the Triennale <laughs> with Hohanru in mm. Auckland where um, we actually uh, sail boats and kind of connected with an unnamed <laughs> activist organisation <laughs> <laughs> to sail boats on the Waitemata Harbour because at the yeah. time the government was putting through the 500 metre law as it was yeah. called the Anadako law and mm. we're really so we can also be making response to kind of conceptual territory mm. that's in time with yeah. museum events so that time that law was changing we thought right we'd better highlight as much as we can put a visual element around that or an action um and we found out that the Greenpeace boat, the Vega, actually was in town um, being refurbished and um, Daniel Mears decided that he would be really up for resailing that. 
Um, yeah. And because, of course, protest is uh, very difficult to do with that 500 metre law where, you, where you're um, prohibited from sailing up to a vessel that's engaged in um, mm. mining research work. Yeah, yeah. So there are things there... Yeah, so we do like to be on water, in water, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> acknowledging water through presence rather than abstract, you know, approach to it, I think you could say. Funny how we're not allowed to be within 500 metres of them, but they're allowed to be within 500 metres of marine animals. It's well, they can be within 500 metres of any taonga, yeah. anywhere. It's that they've, the government, uh, generations of governments have prioritised that. And what I didn't like in that law um, was that... It's very. Its implications are quite great and go beyond. Like I felt like, yeah, definitely thin end of a wedge. Yeah. And then of course, when the frigates were coming, I mean, what people don't like about it is that it it can get used more broadly than a specific cases around yeah. mining. And then it did when it, the anti, the sort of um, American frigate was kind of going to come to New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. And they they sort of re-rehearsed and threatened that. Mm. So that frigate that couldn't tell us whether it was propelled. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Other vagaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell you, let me tell you, that law there is not vague. You know, they can impound the boats and pose big fines. Mm. And Elvis Teddy, who went out against um, uh, the oil research vessels and put his fishing vessel in front of it, he used a beautiful technical uh, maritime law where he extended fishing gear down and when you have your fishing gear out you can't be other people have to navigate around you yeah and he just said no we are fishing yeah we are mm. fishing and it was such a um, it was such a beautiful <laughs> use of an existing <laughs> yeah, law yeah, it yeah, terrified yeah. the oiling power that how's <laughs> that be unfortunately though it resulted in it kind of a downstream effect has been this this law to, i wish that jacinda ahern would um, work on some of these small micro laws mm. and um, pull them back because of course aotearoa's history with protest is mm. beautiful history in terms of the care of the earth yeah. and indigenous people's um, places, thinking of Mururoa. Yeah. So it's, um, this is a, yeah. Sorry to digress a bit there. Oh, no, no, <laughs> yeah, no, no. You asked. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, well, exactly. And it's like, yeah, yeah, no, I wanted to say, well, we better get on to um, the talk tonight. Yeah. Sure. We are running yeah. out of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so, yeah, we did want to promote the fact that um, Alex will be talking tonight with John Bywater at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery at 7 o'clock, and that's free to attend. Sure, yeah, definitely. Um, and that'll be a great opportunity to hear more about um, Local Times projects and um, what you've been up to. Oh, all right. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for a response. Uh, <laughs> yes, we will be talking yes. tonight yes, at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery. That's what's going to be happening. And of course, Half uh, of local time is yeah. in town, so John's here. And the other yeah. two, one in Australia, one in Tamaki. That's fantastic. Well, um, thank you so much for coming oh. in. It's been lovely to meet you. Yeah. Yeah, great to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, thank you, Andrew, as always. Yes. Sorry for all the surf chat. Ah, that's all good. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> now I feel like I picked the wrong song. Oh, what's the song? Well, I should have picked something like French Letter or something now, I'm feeling. But um, I just got uh, the classic, uh, The Lovely Ones, um, Surf Rider, which will feature on every single old school <laughs> surf video of all time. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Your news is up next. You're on the one, 91FM.